When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello guys and welcome back to the treatment room with your host Tessa Zolli. So I have something a little bit different and fun planned for today. You probably know I love my Q&As but I was realizing I want to hear the questions straight from you guys. So I asked you over on Instagram to submit your questions via voice note so this way I can actually hear your voices and it feels a little bit more personal. So I haven't listened to any of these questions yet so I'm going to be listening to them with you and responding. I'm so excited. Okay so I'm going to play the first question then I'll respond and I'll get into more questions. Here we go. Hi Tessa, my name is Halia. I'm a new esthe and I just opened up my own studio called Maya Nani by Halia. It means pretty things by Halia. But my question is, how would you go about treating cystic acne on darker skin tones? Lots of my clients have dark skin tones and I'm feeling a little intimidated because I don't want to hurt them. It's hard to see redness. What are your tips? Thank you. This is such an important question. So thank you, Halia, and congratulations on your spa. That's very exciting. This is a very, very common fear amongst estheticians, and I can't help but think it has to do with the lack of training we receive in school when it comes to treating multicultural skin and treating different skin colors, and not only that, treating different skin types and conditions amongst a variety of Fitzpatrick types and and ethnic backgrounds. So first I want to say and shout out one of my favorite resources who is Joelle Lee. She has come on the podcast before and she has some fantastic materials about treating skin of color. She also has a free ebook that I highly suggest everyone go and download. I'll link her website in the show notes. But again, when it comes to treating skin of color, there is this kind of resounding fear, which I think translates to, and Joelle has talked about this before, almost like uh, um, a phenomenon of estheticians being hyper cautious and being careful is good but eventually this can lead to clients being dissatisfied with results if we're not giving them the appropriate treatment it's not that skin of color cannot tolerate more aggressive treatments eventually but it's really all in the prep and what joelle does very well is she outlines a step-up approach which is slowly building the treatment plan up to more aggressive treatments now the question that was brought up was treating acne and treating more cystic acne with clients who have darker skin tones and this is a super valid concern because pretty much the number one concern amongst clients of color tends to be hyperpigmentation they are more prone to this type of trauma and long-lasting hyperpigmentation that results from inflammation so Halia, you are so right to be cautious when it comes to treating acne and treating cystic acne on your clients of color. We need to be careful when it comes to, number one, extracting more cystic types of breakouts that have an inflamed red base. Likely, if you've ever tried to extract 
a cystic breakout. It hasn't been too successful and it can turn out pretty bloody. You can't get the whole infection out because it is deeper. And then number two, when it comes to treating clients of color, they can easily incur hyperpigmentation or scarring from a lot of the tools that wouldn't necessarily be a problem on your lighter Fitzpatrick. So we want to be cautious when it comes to using aesthetic implements or extractors on your clients of color. And when it comes to treating darker Fitzpatricks, we want to look at the condition and the skin type just as much as the Fitzpatrick type. So that's the most one of the most important things. So if a client is dealing with hormonal acne, whether they are a FITS1 or a FITS6, when it comes to hormonal acne, typically that is a condition that can be helped with topicals, but the majority of it stems from an internal imbalance. So this is where it's always so crucial to treat the whole person and that doesn't necessarily mean I mean it doesn't mean at all that you are recommending medication or going out of your scope of practice it means referring out to the right people to get your client the most help and the best result possible a great place to start with more cystic breakouts is sending your client to their primary care doctor who can refer out to a specialist if needed or even a dermatologist to get a basic hormone test. These tests don't always show the whole picture, but they tend to be a good first step. Something that I find is also very crucial, again, whether it's a FITS1 or a a FITS6, is looking at factors that can contribute to cystic breakouts. So two of the main factors that come to mind for me are stress, which impacts our hormones, and dairy. So I like to suggest and see if my clients are open to it, removing dairy, especially when acne or inflammation is a concern. I also like to suggest they can talk to their primary care doctor since we are suggesting they eliminate a whole food group, which I don't take lightly, but it's just that the research shows time and time again, and I think we see in practice that (laughs) milking a pregnant cow and adding that to our own hormone imbalance creates quite the fun cocktail. So when acne is involved, that's something... I like to offer and have my clients consider. When it comes to treating acne in the treatment room on skin of color, just like Joelle Lee says, the step up approach really is critical. So it's not that you can never do a salicylic peel on your clients of color, but it's that you want to work them up to it. So I would actually start with my first visit treating a client of color if I've never seen them before. I I don't know their skin yet. I would use more mild treatments in that visit. Things like mild, mild acids, like a lactic acid or an enzyme. I love working with enzymes and I think that's a great place to start with your clients of color. I wouldn't focus on extractions, rather I would use that visit to talk to them more about their lifestyle and get a full download on what they're using in their home care routine. The home care is going to be critical for everyone and especially for your clients of color because this is how we're going to really prep their skin. We want to make sure we're going slow because we want to avoid excess shedding that could contribute to more inflammation and more hyperpigmentation. So it's going to be really important you write out their treatment plan they're doing at home, write out every single step, and that's where you can start to incorporate things like 
very mild acids or AHAs. You might include a tyrosinase inhibitor, eventually a pigment lightener. There are hydroquinone alternatives, or if you're somebody who confidently works with hydroquinone, that can work too, but you really want to make sure their skin is prepped, and that's going to be the most important thing. If if the client has to choose between booking their next appointment and getting on home care, I would absolutely choose the home care. And that way, when they do come back to see you again, the skin is stronger and the skin is prepped. I would not touch those cystic breakouts with an extractor or attempt to work on them with my fingers. I would focus on really cleansing the skin. Again, mild exfoliation or enzymes. I would do cooling and calming treatments to bring down the inflammation. A little bit of high frequency could be helpful. And again, the most important thing is going to be sending them home with the right treatment products and especially a sunscreen, which I need to mention. You want to make sure they're on an effective sunscreen and it's also going to be important that the sunscreen is one you recommend that you know is not going to contribute to their breakout so rather than thinking you need to wave a magic wand over their cystic acne in the first treatment i would be thinking about how can we prevent more acne in the future by getting them on a proper home care routine talking about lifestyle and things may that may be affecting their acne bacteria is also a good topic to go over you want to make sure they're changing out their pillowcases and towels frequently not using strong scented laundry detergents or dryer sheets these things can contribute to congestive acne and we want to make sure we're taking an anti-inflammatory approach to their lifestyle and it doesn't have to be all these things at once but starting the conversation and looking at how you can be preventative about acne as well as damage from the sun and picking picking is a topic you definitely want to discuss and you might talk about and have a real conversation, not in a way that's accusatory at all, but you might want to show them and let them know with a darker fit, they're going to be more prone to that long-lasting hyperpigmentation and scarring. So you want to educate in a gentle but firm way about the risk they're at when it comes to attempting to extract their breakouts and adding bacteria to that inflammation which can result in the pigmentation so i think that's a good topic to go over as well picking and maybe suggesting some alternatives such as applying a cool compress to the breakout um, having them try to incorporate some relaxing activities like meditation or deep breathing or journaling which has been shown to help balance hormones and really leaning into the self-care and more relaxation because again when it comes to those more hormonal breakouts it tends to be a result of internal imbalance and we can do a lot as estheticians but we do have our limits so it's okay to educate and be firm about what you will do and what your limits are in the treatment room. Okay, I hope that was a good answer and I hope that helped, Talia. Okay, on to the next question from Haley. Hi Tess, you're such an inspiration to me as a newer SD and I love your videos and podcasts. My name's Haley Domkowski and on Instagram I'm Haley's Beauty underscore Haley's Beauty underscore. I am from Ohio. I rent a suite out in Holland, Ohio at Rehab Grooming and Salon. I have two questions. How many lines is it okay to carry? Should there be a limit so it's not too overwhelming for guests? And my second question is I know this varies from state to state, but I was wondering as a newer SD, is there a certain time you take your CE classes or how do you plan out your CE classes? I'm so excited to take them, but I'm overwhelmed with like how to fit them in plus my business. 
Um, do you do an X amount every month or quarterly? How do you set yourself up on a powerful CE class schedule where you feel like you can balance it all? Um, I know that will vary because, you know, classes are whenever, but, um, in my mind, I always feel like I have to do everything at once and I know that's not possible. So I just want to figure out how other SDs do it to where they're not overwhelmed or feel like they're taking on too much and if they set them up on a better schedule so you're not just constantly, um, you know, trying to figure out how to fit it all in. Um, But I'm so excited for you to answer my question and thanks. Okay, first I have to say I'm so obsessed with you guys and these questions and this is so much fun for me to answer by the way i started a series called sd to sd a while ago and i i haven't done another one in a while originally i was having sds join me live but it was a little bit difficult to you know, find a time where I could meet with each person and then you guys would have to talk to me on your day off. So this seems to be much better. Okay, Haley, love these questions. Starting with the first, how many lines should I retail? Great question. I don't necessarily think there's a right or wrong answer, but I would say... The main thing is you want to avoid overwhelming your client. And I think the most important thing is just being really intentional about the lines you you bring on and making sure if you are adding a new line, making sure it's filling a gap that the other lines didn't. So there's like a specific couple products or a specific reason you want to bring that line on. From my research, aka Dermascope Magazine, the golden rule seems to be two lines. Now, I know I know Estes who would say that's not enough and you need more than that. I'm kind of in the middle. I feel like two lines is sufficient. I actually only currently have two lines. I offer is clinical and Glymed, especially because Glymed is so extensive and there's so many products. I mean, I I would be totally fine just using Glymed. I love what is clinical brings to the table and I really think they're on the cusp of innovation so I was really excited to bring them on. I also love that I'm able to do virtual treatments like the fire and ice facial with is clinical. So for me together that there's more than plenty of options within that group. Sometimes I get tempted to to bring on more because especially as the professional, we're looking at these products every day and there's going to be a point where, you know, you're just curious and, and you're, you feel like, you know, you've used everything and, you know, you recommend things so often. It can feel a little bit repetitive, but at the end of the day, it's not about like, our our ego necessarily it's about providing results to the client so if you feel like you're getting great results using one or two lines i think that's totally awesome something i'm going to throw out there is the idea of creating your own skincare line which not to say it's for everybody but it can be a really good idea in terms of still generating great results but retaining more profit for yourself rather than pass it off to another brand so that's something I want to empower and encourage SDs to think about and it's a great way to kind of fill in gaps with your retail um, rather than you know bring on a full line when you really just wanted one type of product or you felt like a lip mask was missing or 
a certain type of cleanser, you could think about actually manufacturing that yourself and reaping all the benefits while adding to your credibility with your own line. So that's something to think about. The question about continued education, I think, is also a really important question. I think things have changed a lot, whereas, you know, maybe two, three years ago, the main way to get education was to attend in-person classes. That was really the standard. Now, I think post-pandemic, that's reversed and the standard is almost online classes because it makes a lot more sense for educators to record the lecture save that and instead of being limited to a number of seats they can you know have that for sale on their website and people from all over the country can benefit from the class so we have so much more access these days and we really have education at our fingertips there's so so much on you know instagram on podcasts there are actual classes you can take online and i think the hands-on trainings are very important for certain things but not always if it's more reasonable for you and your mental health to attend some webinars, there are fantastic educators that, you know, post their trainings online that you can purchase. So I think that makes it a lot more accessible and it doesn't necessarily have to be something where you're thinking, I have to take a day off work or I have to use my day off to go, you know, attend this class. Instead, you could purchase a class from Douglas Preston or Michelle Phelan or Joelle Lee and watch that when you get home from work or on your day off while you're relaxing. I love to play webinars from Glymed or Is Clinical. That's another resource. The brands you offer probably have some educational platform. I love to listen to those trainings while I make lunch or do the dishes or eat my lunch. So I think there are a lot more reasonable ways to fit it into your life or even listen to a podcast like this one while you go on a walk. So it's definitely easier to add into your day-to-day life without too much disruption. So hopefully that makes it less stressful and again I think there's courses like lymphatic drainage or certain technique classes like massage technique or extraction technique classes that you would want to be hands-on for and then there are classes you could just take or watch or listen to on your downtime. I don't think there's necessarily a right time to start these classes. For me I started right uh, right in the middle of SD school I started to feel like I could take on more information and I also feel like at that time you're just so excited and passionate and you just want to learn everything that that was a really good time for me to lean into that and take some more advanced classes with Michelle and Douglas but I know everyone's different and some people might feel like what they're learning in school is already overwhelming if you are working a full-time job and going to school and you're just feeling like overloaded i i put a very high premium on mental health so to me that's number one but hopefully you're interested in the subject matter enough that you can think about how you can squeeze in continued education in a way that is fun and maybe you can i mean again these days it's so accessible that it's not unrealistic to think about watching one webinar per week (laughs) whereas the standard tends to be taking one class a year and still we should do that Um, i feel like that's a pretty low number but again since the landscape has changed so much with virtual education It's almost like there is no reason not to, and I feel like not only does it come back to benefit your business because you know more about 
the intricacies of skincare and treating skin, skin conditions, I feel like it also gives you a level of confidence. And I've said this in a YouTube video before, but the first time I had a client come in and I felt like I, I didn't know how to help or treat her, that was a big kind of light bulb moment for me where I never wanted to feel like that again or I wanted to feel that like as little <laughs> as, as possible. So that really kind of lit a fire in me because there's nothing worse than feeling like you're not equipped to help somebody who has sought you out. So for me, that was a big push to pursue more continued education and just feel more prepared. Thank you so much, Haley, for those incredible questions. I'm going to move on to the next. Hi, Tessa. My name is Alexandria Jean on Instagram. I'm Alexandria Jean underscore S-E. That's E-S-T-Y. I am about to be working for myself hopefully soon. And my question to you is when you get started where do you even start um i'm in the process of well i have an llc in mississippi but i moved to texas so i'm in san antonio texas right now um i will be opening my llc over here and where do you get started with you know consulting i don't have you know the finances to just go ahead and go full solo so i was thinking about doing virtual consulting and maybe traveling to people within the apartment or people that i know and trust um to do you know traveling facial so i would come to them and set up with you know portable equipment um just what is your opinion and where to start and i have a youtube i have a podcast um, just trying to figure out how to get my ducks in a row and get everything in line. What would you recommend and how do you get started with all of this? <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Hi, Alexandria Jean. Thank you so much for your question. So I'm going to answer what I can. When it comes to virtual consultations, I think, number one, there's something that can be such a benefit to really all businesses. I recently recorded an episode with Jan Marini about the virtual consultation process. And, I mean, even for me, that episode really confirmed <laughs> for me this, this business and the business that happened very organically for me. So I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to that episode with Jan Marini because she talks about how consultations can really elevate your business and how to, how to have a good one, basically. She also talks about what not to do. When it comes to getting started, I'm trying to speak from my own personal experience, but I think I'm I'm also very aware that I got super lucky. I started this business during the height of the pandemic when our spas were all shut down and I realized because of my health conditions I wasn't going to be comfortable going back to work. So I really had to kind of think about you know what my next move was going to be coincidentally because I had a little bit of a social media audience and I had a lot of people who were stuck at home looking at their skin every day obsessing over their skin and not being able to get in for facials that it was almost like as crazy as the circumstances were it was kind of the perfect storm for my business because there was a big demand for help virtually and then there was me out of work with a good education background and a, a I'm not going to say a um, substantial audience I still have small numbers but my engagement is there and people know what they're going to me for which is specialized education and help with with skin conditions so for me again I know I was lucky because I had that audience but at the same time it really started with one person who was actually not a social media follower 
later the social media following helped me but it was really one person actually a friend from college who was a sorority sister of mine so and just kind of a a loose connection um from college and she happened to be she happened to be following my page but we knew each other personally and she asked if I could help her with her skin and she said she would pay me so my rate initially was $50 for the consultation so we hopped on zoom I think it was zoom or facetime and you know we did the consultation it was not this formal process I have now now I have a lot of systems set up and it's like a smooth running process I have my website and all that but when I started it was it was nothing it was just me hopping on FaceTime with a friend basically to help her with her skin to this day this is one of my best clients she had she really did have good skin to begin with but the transformation is pretty incredible at the same time she was one of those clients who had invested in you know like all the fancy department store skincare and she was investing the money but seeing no results so getting her on an effective treatment plan and doing some regular virtual fire and ice treatments on top of you know just starting from ground zero and eventually working her way up to retinol and using acids and wearing sunscreen religiously and cleansing properly and finding the right products to maintain her results and a good vitamin c all those things really transformed her skin and she's referred her daughter her mom her sister-in-law so it really just goes to show how one person can set off a chain reaction so i hope that gives you a little bit of hope again i kind of had that a little bit of a built-in following but i didn't see that translate to consults until later i think i kind of had to build up trust with an existing clientele because even i was like nervous to say to my followers i started this virtual consultation business like this is what i'm doing now talking to people on facetime and and making treatment plans so it took me a little bit to build my confidence in myself because doing doing skincare virtually is completely different um, similar in certain ways, but it's dependent on the home care and you really have to be connected and involved with your clients. So it was a total learning curve. And, you know, from there I started helping my other friend prepare for her wedding and then she referred people. And then I was able to post their before and afters and slowly it grew and grew to the business it is now which I believe I have about 100 clients like I have a decent um, amount of people I work with on a regular basis it's at a very consistent place I may consider not taking any more people on eventually but it's just it's it's something that can very much happen for you so I would encourage you to either find people um, you know that you know personally to take on as clients or you could post on social media and see you know what the interest level is my prices started relatively low again $50 and my clients had to pay for the products on top of that and now I've been able to price myself at $200 per consult and I never would have imagined you know I would be able to do that but now looking at it it's like if I can provide a solution to help manage somebody's acne or rosacea it's worth 10 times that not saying my prices will be that but especially for the time and effort that goes into the regular consistent communication of staying in touch with clients and opening that door and and really analyzing their skin in terms of the information I have, going over their lifestyle, there is a lot of time and effort and planning that goes into the virtual consultation process. So to do it, I mean, it can be as simple as starting with 
one person who's able to volunteer. You could even have, you know, you could even uh, work on somebody for free and just ask them for permission and consent to their before and afters and their photos. And that's a jumping off point and that's really what you need. So I do actually now offer consultations with SDs who want to learn how to have a virtual consultation practice. I don't market that too heavily because I really do prioritize my clients and I'm short on time as it is, but that is available so I can walk somebody through more in detail. But it's definitely something that's, you know, I'd say you you need to be detail-oriented. You need systems in place. You want to make sure you're collecting good quality photos. Don't be afraid to ask for good lighting and, you know, get as many angles as you need to feel comfortable with. You want to definitely take notes on what they're telling you and keep that secure. I would have some sort of protocol for what the treatment plan is going to be after you get off the phone. There needs to be, you know, a guideline of of what they're going to be doing at home because people don't remember remember everything in a consultation, but that's really where it starts and once you get, you know, a couple people under your belt, it really does just grow from there. So I hope that is helpful. The question about being a traveling esthetician, I, I feel like I, I always want to be very honest about what my wheelhouse is and, and my expertise. Um, I, that's something I really don't know much about. I actually don't know anybody personally who is a traveling esthetician, but I know there are people like that out there, definitely on social media. So when you see somebody who kind of models what you want to do, I think those are the best people to learn from. Um, so I would suggest, you know, looking at people who do that, perhaps you can send them a message or even pay them to get on a phone call with you and, uh, talk you through more of the logistics. I'm not quite sure how insurance would work in that situation. And you would want to make sure you can confidently set up and, um, that you're going to be okay kind of moving around like that, but I definitely think it's a viable plan and I would encourage you to go after what excites you, even if it's a little bit outside the box and outside the norm. I think that's really admirable and it's not always easy when you don't have a roadmap laid out. I can definitely relate to that, um, but I think it can be well worth your time and energy trying to do something new. Okay, I hope that helps and thanks again. Okay guys, this is gonna be the last question I answer and it is from Nicole. Hi Tessa, I'm Nicole, also the skin oracle with an underscore at the end on Instagram. I'm relatively a newly licensed esthetician and I'm finding that I'm learning to overcome imposter syndrome along with lack of self-confidence. I think this comes from being newly licensed but also being 19. I find that due to these feelings I end up being in my head and very nervous when speaking to clients. So my question is what are your best tips or advice to overcome this imposter syndrome? Um, and lack of self-confidence in order to be your best self with clients. Thank you again, Tessa, for this opportunity and for all your help with your podcasts, YouTube, and other social media platforms. I appreciate you greatly. Hi, Nicole. You guys bring a tear to my eye. Thank you for these questions and the opportunity to talk to all of you. So... First of all, I really commend you, especially at such a young age, for even stepping into the workforce. I do think your future self is going to look back at this point in your life, and undoubtedly, you're going to learn and grow a lot 
talking to people and being in a position as a care provider. So you're, you're inevitably going to grow a lot. And I think your older self is going to look back and be really glad you had this experience, but I, I totally get it. Like I'm the type of person who is afraid of their own shadow. I'm scared of a lot of things in life, especially social interactions. And that might be surprising because I am on YouTube and I, I do these things, but it doesn't mean I'm not scared. (laughs) I'm always scared when I talk to a new guest. I'm a little bit nervous when I talk to new clients. And I know when I was in the treatment room, I remember, you know, what that felt like being nervous to interact people and having the imposter syndrome. I think part of it is looking at that fear and just really asking yourself where it comes from. And based on that, I might suggest doing what you can to repair that relationship with yourself because I think that's where it really starts and I'm not saying that's an easy process um, but I think it is important to look at that fear and not only ask where it's coming from also ask is this a logical level of anxiety um, for the situation so if you're nervous about you know meeting somebody new in the lobby ask yourself you know where is this fear really coming from and what is the worst that can happen if you're imagining they're not gonna like you which actually just being very transparent that has always kind of been a fear of mine. I'm actually not quite sure where it comes from. Um, But I used to have this fear that when people would meet me, they just wouldn't like me. And the more I investigated that, the more I realized it wasn't a logical thought, um, which is not to undermine or gaslight in any way, but more so um, shifting the perspective back to yourself and kind of, once you think about it, almost, it sounds a little bit silly. And again, that's not to invalidate you because I've experienced um, the similar thing. But once I really thought about it, why wouldn't somebody like me? I am their skin therapist. I'm there to listen and help. And I'm a nice, I'm a nice person. There's really no reason they wouldn't like me. And I'm not sure if that is your fear, um, but it could be something similar. So I would just encourage you to think about that. I will say a lot of confidence comes with time. I think pretty much every SD can relate to this, especially in the beginning. And your confidence comes from repeatedly putting yourself out there and seeing that you can rise to the occasion. Every day you get up and you might be a little nervous, but you put on your outfit, you do your skincare routine, you get to work and you do the job whether you're scared enough scared or not so you are fully capable and again it's just going to get easier and easier with that repetition and you have to remember you're there for a reason so instead of thinking i don't deserve to be here and allowing that to spiral and lead to more negative thoughts I would try to be very conscious about how you talk to yourself and ask yourself if you would talk to yourself the way you would talk to seven-year-old you you probably wouldn't so I think shifting the self-talk narrative is important and really being mindful of your thoughts and not allowing yourself to talk to yourself in a negative way. So instead of thinking, what am I doing here? I'm underqualified. How did they hire me? 
you have to shift it to they saw something special in me I am worthy I am meant to be here and I have a lot to give I have a lot of empathy I'm a great listener and I'm very eager to learn and that goes a long way so if you can feed yourself more of those positive thoughts and maybe consider doing some affirmations every morning that's actually what I used to do before I went to work I talked about this on the skin in the city podcast by the way I used to really have low confidence in myself and especially in aesthetics because I was new to it so on my walk to work which was a couple miles uh, I had to I had to park in this um, public parking lot <laughs> when I was going to one of my jobs and that was the only place that was free to park in the city so I'd park there and I would walk like two miles to work <laughs> there and back um, but I would play positive affirmations I would search on Spotify I would listen to speakers like Ed Milet Louise Hay, people that were really going to give me a feeling of confidence and affirmations. And it felt silly and I didn't want to do it in the beginning, but I had to, to get myself to a level um, where I believed in myself more. And as I started to form relationships with clients and we bonded that fed me confidence when people came into the spa and they were so excited to see me and then you know that happiness just was obvious to all of the staff and people you know started to say and give me more um, compliments and book with me and you know the staff in the spa started to you know see the value I brought and see the excitement on my clients faces I think feeling like I kind of found my people and it's not going to be everyone but having you know those uh, even just a core group of clients who really believe in you and and see see your light and your unique gift I think that gave me a lot of confidence too and that will happen for you if it hasn't already so I tried to lean into those positive feelings and I think if you have a level of social anxiety, um, it's not something that goes away or you have imposter syndrome, which can stem from low confidence. It's not something that's, you know, overnight going to be gone. But again, it's the act of repeatedly putting yourself out there and showing yourself that you can do it. And not that, not just that you can do it, but you can do it. And, and get a great response out of it. And once you start seeing the results too in your client's skin, that is definitely going to help build your self-confidence. But my goal for you, Nicole, is for you to get to the point where you think, why wouldn't <laughs> I be worthy of a spot on this staff? Why wouldn't my clients be excited to rebook with me? Tell yourself that those things are already on the way. And I think that will help instill a little bit of confidence. Sometimes we can think of the worst case scenario instead of the best. So being mindful of that and trying to catch yourself when you're kind of veering toward those negative thoughts. Ask yourself, number one, you don't even have to shift or reverse the narrative entirely just ask yourself is that a logical response to what's going on right now and then maybe you can try to shift it toward a little bit more positive things I won't go into this too much um, but something I also recommend looking into are grounding exercises so I've worked on this with my therapist and I recommend therapy for everyone even if you can do it, you know, over the phone, I think it can be really helpful. Um, but my therapist is big into grounding exercises. So things, these are things like um, even reading the signs in your spa or reading a label backwards. It helps to shift your psychology to a more logical place. And that's really um, what we want. So not just, not 
reversing it and doing a 180 from negative to positive, even just trying to get more in the middle to a logical place. So you can do that by slow acts of reading numbers backwards, as silly as it sounds, reading letters back, even counting backwards in your head, trying to plant your feet firm on the ground, even envisioning yourself completely safe. Um, there are a lot of visualization techniques that I think can be helpful. Imagining yourself wrapped in a white blanket that, you know, is healing and protecting you from any negative energy. This probably sounds crazy to some people but I do this sometimes or even envisioning a waterfall and imagine all of your negative thoughts or worries just getting washed down the river and you know gone out of your life um, I think that can be helpful too so you could even google grounding techniques or uh, visualization techniques again I really love the affirmations you can find pretty much anywhere meditation i think can also be really helpful we want to calm the parasympathetic nerve and get your mind to a more even logical place a huge thank you to nicole and all of you who submitted your voice notes to me and thank you all for listening this was so much fun i hope you guys liked this episode if you did it would mean so much if you left me a little five-star review on itunes it really helps more sds expand their education by finding this podcast and i hope you guys liked the episode let me know or feel free to share on your stories and tag me if i get a positive response i would definitely like to continue the sd to sd series and collect more of your guys's questions so if you like the episode i'll be sure to post another story on instagram asking you guys to submit your questions all right, guys, this has been so much fun. I love you. I hope you get out there and have an incredible week. Take care of yourselves, and I will talk to you in the next one.